Curious. You would make an excellent Cephalon, Tenno. Welcome to Cephalon Squared, a Warframe community and podcast. Join the community at Cephalon Squared on Twitter and Facebook, or send us a voice message via the Anchor app. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Here are your Cephalons, Greg and Lucas. G'day and welcome to episode 10 of Cephalon Squared, the mighty 10th episode extravaganza. My name is Cephalon Greg. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Cephalon Lucas. How are you on this fine evening? Fantastic. Um, Episode 10. Wow. We made it. We made it. (laughs) Woo! Here's to episode 100, huh? Next goal, yeah, next next milestone, we'll go for it. (laughs) Hopefully we still have listeners by then. (laughs) Of course we will. Trying to take over the world. Um, So, yeah, thanks for sticking with us to episode 10 and beyond, hopefully. Um, But, yeah, we're really happy to have made it. So um, today's episode, there hasn't been, well, there wasn't a lot of news during the week, but suddenly towards just the last couple of days there's been a little bit uh so that's good um we've got a bit of a discussion about the tutorial today um we've decided to because it's episode 10 we might share a little bit of news about who we are uh so we've uh invited uh cephalon lars on as our community guest star for this week you might know him as our moderator on facebook on discord uh so that's coming up a bit later as well and then we've got our beginner and advanced topics so um it'll end up being a big a big week but uh because it's not a dev stream week there's um not a hell of a ma- a hell of a lot of amazing news but let's kick into it anyway so, um, as we all knew, Chroma Prime is coming. They released the official Chroma Prime announcement that, you know, basically just announced that he was coming. He's coming on September 25th, which is this Tuesday. We'll probably see him in on Wednesday in Australia. Um, but he looks pretty good, and his armor set kicks ass. What do you think, Lucas? His armor set and Sindana look amazing. Um, I think I will definitely be going for the Prime accessories this time around. Uh, they, they look that good. Yeah, I wasn't a massive fan of the Sayandana, but the, the shoulders look kick-ass. Uh, those knees, um, mm. that was interesting, really kind of different. And there was something dangling off the chest piece. Um, so it looks like they've tried something a little bit different. And I just love massive shoulders. They're definitely going on um, uh, Atlas. <laughs> Without a doubt, <laughs> he's already a big brute. He needs to be a bigger brute. Uh, but yeah, Chroma Prime Atlas is coming in just a couple of short days, and that also means that, of course, Limbo Prime is gone. Um, no, but no, also, Limbo Prime is staying. Limbo Prime is staying. It's, hmm? uh, it's it, Limbo Prime staying. The Prime access for Limbo has yes. ended. Yes, yes, that is a. It in, it, it is an important thing to be to be clear about because yeah. What I meant is the Prime Access is going. Limbo Prime will still be farmable for the next however many number of months until he gets vaulted. Uh, But what I was going to say is the Prime Vault will also be ending on September 25th. So if you haven't yet farmed for Nyx or Rhino Prime or any of the weapons that they had, I think they had, what was it, Ankyrasiko Prime, uh, Boltor Prime, and something else. Uh, (laughs) Skindo? uh, Skindo Prime? Maybe. Yeah, I think I think it was a Sindo. 
Yeah, so if you haven't yet farmed for all of those things, you need to do it over the next couple of days because they will be gone again soon. Uh, and all that means is that the relics that contain those parts will no longer drop from the void. So that's where they're dropping now. If you want to wear, go get those uh, relics. So if you've still, if you've still got the relics on you um, after the after the 25th, then you will still be able to have a chance at getting those drops. Um, otherwise, so pretty much at the moment, all you really want to be doing is just farming those relics, just absolutely smash out the farming relics. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a good little beginner's tip for you. Uh, I didn't, uh, that has just sort of cropped into my mind. Um, you might be wondering why sometimes people might say, Hey, but Trinity's Trinity's vaulted. Why did I just get a part out of, um, that relic run I just did? Well, some people have been playing this game for a long time and they've got a shitload of relics uh, from a long time ago. And sometimes you'll just be lucky enough to play with someone who is um, probably trying to farm a certain piece. Um, and that does happen from time to time. So that's why you'll see bits dropping. And that's why I always play um, my relic runs in public because you have more chance of getting some stuff you didn't expect. Yeah. All right. So the next major thing that was announced during the week was that the Plague Star event has started again on PC. It's already started. Gonna stop you quick. Gonna stop you quick. We're not done with the uh, the Prime vaultings yet. Uh, yeah. Also got to mention. No, we also got to mention that Valka Prime uh, will be getting vaulted uh, with this point. with this upcoming um, new release. So yeah, I didn't take that note. That's a good point. Whenever something gets released, something else gets vaulted. Yeah, so that's uh, Valka Prime, the Vanka Prime, and I have no idea what else there was that came with her. Um, and I don't know actually. We will. We, yeah, <laughs> we should have. We should have figured that out. But um, let me do a little search while I talk about the other things. So, uh, what I was mentioning is that the Plague Star event is coming back, and. Um, that's coming back to PC. It's already out, actually. Uh, it ends on September 30th. Uh, if you don't know what the Plague Star event is, it's something that happens on the planes. Um, basically, there's a big meteor that crashes and causes a big infested boil, and you need to go and destroy the big infested Lephantis that comes out of it. Uh, and when you do, you get all sorts of rewards. So one of the things that drops from the big Lephantis when he dies is a hunter set mod. Uh, and it's the only way to get those mods. They're really, really good. That's one thing. They are amazing. Go get them. Uh, but also the, um, what are they called? The operation something or other play uh, faction. Yeah. Um, operational well, supply. Yeah. Operational supplies. Yep. Those guys will have amazing things. So your formers, uh, hard to get gems uh, for for crafting uh, arcanes that you can buy from various places. Uh, Zorg plague Zor parts. Take it away, Lucas. I know you want to say something. I can hear. Um, it. <laughs> yeah, the Zor parts are definitely worth getting. Um, they these this is the only way you can get the infested uh, plague um, Zor parts. So stock up on them. Uh, you're going to want them. Um, especially if they decide to throw any more uh, different Zor combinations down the track. So stockpile on them. Um, Ex Exodias have amazing little abilities. They're essentially Arcane's for Zors. You want to stockpile up on them as well because they're also uh, really good, the, the, the two that uh, are released in this event. Um, gems are very important, especially if you're trying to upgrade um, abilities on on Zors uh, for the Arcanes and Exodias. Um, 
Oh, there's also the Snipertron. The uh, yes, the Snipertron does drop from there. Yes, yes, yeah, Snipertron is also available from the uh, the vendor for this. Uh, definitely worth getting, even if it is is just for uh, mastery fodder. Um, it is a good weapon, though. Got to we've got to admit that it's not as good as some of the other snipers in the games, but it's it's a pretty good sniper. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I think it was one of the original snipers. It's it's good for what it is. Yeah. Um, Snipertron Vandal's much better. Anyway, we yeah. got carried away. There's yeah. heaps of stuff in this event. It's very much worth doing. And the former's not just former blueprints. You buy fully prepared, ready to go formers, ready to slam into your um, weapon or warframe. They're, they're not blueprints at all. They're ready to go. So 15 minutes of farming or so, and you I feel like former. I feel like there was one other thing. Ooh, Cedar Wisps. You can yes, also wisps. get Cedar Wisps. Um, yeah. Why did I get excited? But yes. <laughs> Because Whisper are a pain in the ass to farm, I guess. That's why I got excited. But that's the thing. There's so many things you can spend your reputation on, but you've got to do lots of farming to do it. So it's a worthwhile event. It does get kind of boring doing the same damn thing over and over again, but it is easy to farm and it's quite enjoyable, really. So get out there and do it. And you can also even get a uh, trophy decoration built for your clan dojo. Uh, I know yes. when it first dropped on PS4, it was Greg, myself, and another friend, just the three of us that actually farmed out the, the gold trophy for our, uh, our little clan. So Shout out to Vicious. Whoop, whoop. Shout out. Excellent. All right. Um, I did find out it's Valkyr Prime, Cernos Prime, and Venka Prime that will ah. be altered. Yeah, so... so- the Cernos Prime is pretty good. It's up there as one of the best bows in the game, uh, second or alongside, whichever way you prefer to look at it. Uh, the Ractabilis, not the Ractabilistica, the Ractor Cernos. <laughs> um, so, yes, go get yourself a Cernos Prime before <laughs> before it gets vaulted in two days. Good luck. All right. We got really excited about the Plague Star event because it's fun. We did. Yeah, it's only on PC. It's not coming for us for a little while, but we'll get to that. Um, so, as a result of all these crazy Warframes that have been released recently, um, what the what's the name of the company that makes the damn game we love? Digital Extremes <laughs> has decided to release another color picker in the PC market. They've called it Tenno Two. I haven't looked at it yet, so I don't know what colors are in it. If you know the Tenno color picker that's already available, it's um, quite a varied color scheme it's not really a scheme at all it's just a whole bunch of different colors that you can choose uh, and it is worthwhile so another color picker is always good although they do cost 75 flat which is kind of expensive um the next console update now this is something that you heard lucas uh, when you were watching yes. the prime time so i might let you go over it Okay, so uh, they have stated that the next console update will bring the Nezha changes and Deluxe skin along with the Revenant changes. Uh, we will also be receiving the Relay event, Pyrus, uh, Pyrus Project. I think that's how you say it, Pyrus, maybe. Um, <laughs> and also the Plague Star event. Um, so the way they're going to work this is that first off, they will bring in the Pyrus event. Uh, and once that's been out for, I think they said a week or however long it takes for everyone to get the new um, relay. And then it will swap over to the Plague Star event just so that we're not having to juggle two large events at the same time. Uh, so shout, shout out to DE. That's fantastic. Um, means we will actually get a decent amount of content or, uh, to play through over the next There's month a little bit or so. More. 
There's a little bit more. Um, we also will be receiving the rest of Tenogen 13. Yay! Finally, which means I can now finally have my Icubus wings. Icubus. Yeah. Icubus. Icarus? Icarus wings. I can finally have yes. my Icarus wings. Ah, finally. Um, and this will actually put us up to date with all of the PC Tenogen releases. So, fantastic. Yeah. We've finally caught up. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think there's a time in my memory when we have been caught up. So that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to a couple of the sign downers. Actually, there's the ones that look like you've got a couple of swords down your back. Um, yes. yes, that one's pretty uh, cool as well. I don't know what it's called. Sorry to the designer, but it is really nice. I think that one. I, I want to say that I want to put it on my Excalibur Umbra, but I feel like that's kind of a generic thing. Um, it's okay, dude. You, you do you, <laughs> even if it's the same as everyone else is doing. Don't you consider. I kind of want to put it on my on my Excalibur umbra. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it and stuff everyone else. Anyway, uh, there's no confirmed date for that update, but uh, it can't be too far away, I would imagine. So I'm looking forward to it because that sounds like a good two or three weeks worth of content for us. Maybe two. Yes. Um, so especially the Pirates project, I'm really looking forward to that. Especially the uh, what was it the the secondary, the the mini micro Sybaris. Um, yeah, I want the mini Sybaris, and I need to farm the shit out of the Grass Drag Three because I need the Brack. I'm only eight weapons off um, fulfilling my plan to do all of the uh, secondaries before the release of uh, Fortuna, and the Brack is one of them. The Despair is probably the other hardest one that I'm going to try and get. Um, but anyway, best of luck to you. I'm looking forward <laughs> to. Yeah, I might just have to buy them. Not that I can buy Despair. Damn. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Good luck to me. All right. Um, actually, this next part was something that was also covered in the primetime, and it was an update on the Elite Alerts. We haven't heard anything about them since they were originally announced, what, a good three or four weeks ago, maybe DevStream 114 or 15, something like that. Um, what were the updates there? Okay, so by looks of it, they're actually removing the bleed out revive for squads entirely. So essentially, if you die, that is it. You are dead. There is no, um, there is no reviving whatsoever. Your allies can't save you. You're dead. Um, <laughs> harsh, but yeah, <laughs> get good. <laughs> um, <laughs> rewards will be set in an A B C C C C C recurring uh, pattern. So you don't have to worry about going in and doing to the fir- to the, the, the third or fourth reward and then starting fresh. Um, now, I'll just stop you there for a second because there's, there's possibly newer newer players who don't know what that means. Yep. Um, in endless uh, mission types such as survival, defense, um, God, interception. Uh, excavation, those kind of events, they will always have rewards that are given to you after a certain period of time. So let's say for survivals, for example, the first one's given at five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. And they're always, uh, there's what they call reward tiers. So there's tier A, tier B, and tier C. So tier A might have a certain subset of rewards, tier B will have another subset of rewards, and tier C will have another subset of rewards. For almost every single one, actually, I think it is every single one it's always a a a b c c yeah and that yeah. continues in that rotation uh, i may have screwed it up with the with the new elite alerts um it may be a a b c c c c recurring um 
but yeah, yeah we'll, might have missed that. But we'll, we'll find out. That. Yeah, uh, and also they are increasing the rotation timer. Um, so instead of it being five minutes or five waves, it will now be ten waves and ten minutes. Uh, so just mm-hmm. to really stretch that out and really make you work for those rewards. Um, they did mention that there are going to be new mods available through this as well. Uh, since the mods themselves were not in working order just yet, they didn't showcase any of them. Uh, so it's interesting to know that there are new mods coming. So that's, that's going to be exciting. Um, also, they did mention that there will be a new resource that will only be used for cosmetics. So I know when they first showcased uh, the elite alerts, they showed a, a ship decoration um, that was quite an intricate uh, glyph. Um, yeah, glyph floating. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Don't don't uh, take what I say seriously, but it may be that these <laughs> uh, resources. <laughs> screw you, Greg. <laughs> uh, it may be that these resources will be used for um, cosmetics such as that. So this uh, this will be an interesting little thing. Uh, yeah. The only other time we've had cosmetic-only resources are pigments. Yeah, and uh, people may not be aware of what pigments are, and they're something that you get in your Tenno Lab uh, in your dojo for your clan, um, and you need to collect them as drops from different enemies. And when you collect them and you've collected enough, you can then use that as a way to dye your the interior of your dojo. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. wall paint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. It's wall paint. Collecting wall paint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust British paints? Sure can. Anyway, um, free ad for your British paints. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Anyway, um, I think all of those things are really bloody exciting, to be honest, because these are meant to be elite alerts. You did say that they're not too keen Uh, on the name of elite alerts. That's another thing. Uh, At the moment, they're not entirely... Elite alerts is their... their, um, uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Placeholder name. name. Um, So they're not entirely sold on the name of elite alerts since we've already got elite... um, uh, elite uh, sanctuary, sanctuary onslaught. Yeah, elite sanctuary onslaught. Thank you, Greg. You're welcome. Um, so they are trying to work out a name at the moment. Uh, I think they said something about going to their Warframe forums, uh, and they have a thread up in there for any suggestions. Um, so go check. I wonder that if out. they've still got the um, the founders forum. I forgot what it was called. You could be on like a committee where they used to talk about. It. They probably don't. It's been it's been so long. Anyway, I wouldn't know because I've never. I'm not on that founders thing anyway. Sad tear, <laughs> solitary um, tear down my face. But anyway, yeah, I think all of these changes are good because they actually make it really difficult. Well, we don't know if they make it difficult, but we assume they do. We we hear that the enemies are going to start from around level eighty to a hundred. They're about. Oh, they've and dropped they'll... that. They've actually dropped that as well. There's they're yeah. uh, they're looking more at starting at sixty. Um, Okay, 60 is a a good entry point. I don't think it's very difficult. Probably, well, the first five or ten minutes will probably be easy-ish. Most people will be able to get through it. Um, But beyond that will probably be where it starts to get really difficult. No bleed-out revives. That's cool. No bleed-out revives. Um, So there are already a few people that aren't too happy about the 60 start. Um, They were very excited about the 80 to 100 start. Uh, I can kind of understand that that desire for that hard difficulty start, but I feel 
that 60 is, is, is a good starting point, to be honest, uh, especially if you only get one chance. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it should start at 80. It should just be hard. If you can't do it, you can't do it. Mm. And then you've got to learn how to get better. Um, you know, uh, just to talk about a completely different game for a second, <laughs> we just played the Nightfall on, on Destiny 2 for the first time, and that was bloody hard. And if we oh, yeah. weren't the right power level to do that, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And I think that's the right kind of challenge to have. Um, if they started out at 60, just so that the majority of players can actually get through that first, you know, 10 waves or 10 minutes, um, it almost feels like pandering to, to everyone. And I think realistically, they need to give something to those hardcore guys. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I can, I I, I can see, yeah, I can see that. Um, well, yeah, hopefully these rewards, these, uh, these new mods, um, hopefully they're actually decent ones and will be, yeah, C rotation worthy. Yeah, well, that's probably it as well. Maybe the, the first A reward tier will actually just not be anything terribly special or worthwhile and you really need to get to B and C. No. Um, well, they did, they did also stuff. mention that uh, you will be able to get a bit more endo farming through the uh, uh, end, uh, these uh, elite alerts. Um, so and, endo farming will be a bit of a thing properly now. That is good because I need endo always. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Again, again, that's probably just uh, fitting towards uh, newer players because a lot of the more advanced veterans should already have their mods up at max. So uh, probably not a great thing to put in at this point for such a a high-tiered mission type. Um, But we'll see when it gets released, how how it fits in, how people react to it. Um, All we can do at the moment is hope that it's a success. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to it either way. Sounds good to me. Um, all right. The next thing is, uh, it was an announcement that was made over Twitter, and that's that shortly the PC will be getting uh, a new requirement, and that's basically uh, for Riven trading, you will need to be Mastery Rank 8 in order to be able to trade Rivens, uh, and that will be coming to consoles at a later date. Maybe with the next update, we'll see. Um, <clears throat> I don't think this is such a bad thing. Uh, in reality, most, most Rivens are... Uh, you know, high mastery rank requirements anyway. And it also encourages players to get to mastery rank eight before they start actually farming for Rivens. But also there are a lot of players out there who are mastery rank five or six who have done the war within and therefore can do sorties and get Rivens. Um, so realistically, they should be able to, to trade if it's something that they can't use. So I'm a little bit torn on whether or not this is actually a good thing or whether or not, I mean, in, I don't understand why there's a requirement for it. Um, they should just make it that if you're not the mastery rank of the Riven itself, then you can't buy it. I think I think that's kind of what they're trying to go for, but just solidifying it in general. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I know they've done. I know they've done stuff like this in the past with like Prime frames. I think it was Oberon Prime. Um, I couldn't buy off another player because it was supposedly a mastery rank nine frame. Oh, wow. Um, I don't think it is anymore. I think the only, there's only a couple of frames that have mastery rank requirements. And I think the highest is mastery rank five. Now I think it was, um, Hydroid. can't remember. But yeah, there are a couple. Um, mm. so we'll see. It's not a huge change. Um, and I don't think it's really going to trip anyone up. Because by the time you've done the war within, you're probably up in those higher 
um, mastery ranks anyway. So, And the last thing that was also shared on Twitter, this was shared by Steve Sinclair himself. Um, the FX team is working on fixing some of the visual effects in the game. So they want to reduce the amount on screen. So... Um, you know, sometimes when you're doing, you're using a lot of abilities, there can just be colors and crap everywhere. <laughs> um, so they want to sort of reduce that, but also make it have uh, more of a impact. So uh, they're working on certain damage types to have a certain look and feel. So if it's viral, then it looks this way. If it's um, toxin then it looks this way uh so i think that's a really good idea um you know we've already got that a little bit with the toxic gas clouds that those stupid flying infested ospreys spray um that's annoying green stuff um so yeah that'll be interesting don't know how it's going to look when it all comes out they were just sort of hand scribbled on a page in his um tweet but We'll see. I, th I think that's actually kind of funny how they've just recently done the, uh, the the particle effects and you know made everything more flashy, and now they've turned around and gone, okay, maybe things are a bit too flashy. <laughs> <laughs> it is a kind of is kind of amusing because that was only a couple of weeks ago, too. well, a couple yeah. months ago, maybe a couple months ago. <laughs> Alrighty, Fantastic. so that was <laughs> that was all of the news for this week. Do you have anything to add before we move on? Uh, no, I've, I think Comments. we've covered everything. Um, oh, actually, I did mm -hmm. did miss one thing. I didn't actually catch um, all the details properly. Um, bad me, I wasn't paying 100% attention. Uh, another thing is for the Elite Alerts, they did mention something about new damage types and resistances. Mm. Um, so that's, that's something else. Yeah. Bad me. Um. <laughs> well, how can they be releasing new damage types if they still haven't finished fixing uh, damage 3.0? Hmm. Mm. I wonder how that went down. Mm. Unless it's part of damage 3.0. Possibly. Um, I would imagine it'd have to be. Yeah. Mm. So, so, so these things aren't finalised. So just keep in mind um, that these are all just working progress. For all we know, they could end up turning around and scrapping this this idea uh, before release. So it's happened before. Yeah, it has happened before, um, so keep that in mind and and don't overthink things. Um, I know a few people in the in the Warframe community uh, in the past have decided to colourfully uh, express themselves in uh, in these kind of situations. Um, so don't, yeah, yeah, colourfully. So don't 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 uh, take these things seriously. Take them as uh, Warframe's uh, DE is trying to learn what to do and what not to do. Um, so they're going to they're also sharing. Yeah. They're sharing what their plans are and they want the feedback. So don't be a prick about your feedback. Just give them your feedback and say what you like and what you don't like. That's, yeah. that's what they're actually looking for. They're not looking for people to be rude. Exactly right. So, all righty. Good, good. Um, let's move into our discussion topic this week. Our discussion topic is... Does Warframe need a new tutorial? Why did yes. I just say tutorial? <laughs> yes, tutorial. on to the next thing. <laughs> so, I have replayed the tutorial now twice in the last couple of months. I've replayed it on PC, and I've replayed it on the Xbox One. Um, and there's a lot of people who say, well, the game doesn't explain this to you, and it doesn't do this, and it doesn't do that, and it doesn't do this. Well, having played through it now twice, I can tell you that the game absolutely explains everything to you. It absolutely explains mods to you. 
um, and it does all of that. Uh, in fact, the whole point of junction requirements is to teach you how to play different points, uh, how to do different things in the game. Um, I guess the problem with it is it's not really executed well because I don't think it's apparent to the player that the junction requirements are teaching you what, um, for example, relics are and why you need to refine a relic at your void relic refinement console on your ship. So while the game does tell you to do all of these things, it doesn't really do a good job of explaining why, in my opinion. So you said there, Lucas, when I said, does Warframe need a new tutorial? You said, yes, next topic. Why did you say that? Uh, simply put, as, as you said, it doesn't, um, it doesn't explain why things need to be done, right? why, uh, why you need to do mods, you know, what are mods. It just kind of goes, here are mods, put them on your Warframe. Okay, but why? <laughs> what, what does the mod do? Like, what, what, does, uh, what does leveling up do for my frame? What does leveling up a mod do for my progress? Like, what, what does this all mean? Why do I want to do this? Um, it, the other problem is, so there will be a lot of people, and I've seen this because there, there's plenty of people who've talked about this particular topic on the forums and on Reddit. And people will always respond to exactly what you just said and what I said before that. I was sort of leading you into this. <laughs> um, it's a trap. <laughs> it was a little bit. They will always say that the game does tell you why. If you go into your codex and you click on the training button, you will have a whole bunch of different options. And if you click mods or modding, I can't actually remember what it's called in the, tra in the training part of the codex, it goes into all of the different damage types, how they work, why you should do this or that, what status is, what criti crit critical chance is, etc., etc., etc. So I guess... So then that then turns around and go for uh, where's the codex? That's, that's the thing. I think the problem that Warframe has, it needs to have a codex. You need to have those training sections. Um, you need to have the junctions. I think the junctions are actually a really good idea and it's a really good way of having people learn how to do things. I don't think Warframe needs a, a whole new tutorial, personally. I think the tutorial it's got is fine. What I do think that Warframe needs more of, and I... I when I played the game over again and I noticed that what I'm about to mention was completely missing from the, the game, it makes me think it was a design, design decision. So what was missing from the game? Tool tips. When you start out a new game of virtually anything else, right, and you load up your new character and you walk up to your first vendor, a pop-up will come up on screen and say, this is your blah, blah, blah vendor. This is what you can do from him. Click next to find out the next thing and boom, 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 boom. It's kind of, kind of dull, but it does teach you and it goes into depth and you can never say that you never saw it. Yeah. Warframe never does that. And from my perspective, I think it's either a design decision or 
because the game just sort of grew modularly, if that's a word, in a modular fashion, (laughs) (laughs) the game started out as one thing and then it's become so much more. And I think maybe D just hasn't taken the time to pull all the strings into a cohesive initial narrative and then uh, you know that's what they did with Vor's prize so they created a narrative and that narrative is built around you know training so they teach you how to use your weapons and all that kind of stuff and button presses do pop up on the screen you know that first mission press you know e to attack with your melee weapon or whatever um but realistically i think that's probably the best way to teach people so the first time they go to their mod screen there should be a little bit more explanation. Why mod? What are all these damage types? You know, it should highlight things on screen and say, this is this. This is your mod capacity. This is what this means. Um, Because I think a lot of those things just aren't explained. And maybe the problem is that um, it's so complicated that if they did that, you'd spend the first 20 hours in tutorial screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can can understand that. you know, looking at uh, another another game, uh, one that I was actually quite fond of, and I don't know how many other people were, um, but when the Monster Hunter Try was actually released on Nintendo Wii, um, I know a lot of people are not a big fan of Try because it had so many things that were now have now been removed from Monster Hunter. Um, but one of one of the things I actually found quite interesting was the fact that the tutorial for that game no matter how fast you thought you could get through it, that tutorial was three to four hours long. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can see maybe 20 hours of tutorial isn't a good idea. Um, no, no, that is really not a good idea. You will turn people away. Um, hmm. So how do you think they can do it? Well, I was actually thinking about this while you were, you were going on about how there is a codex there. Um, it would be simple just to get a little bit of a, just slide in a little bit of a, a spot there in Ordis's, um one of Ordis's little spiels, probably at towards the end of Vor's prize um, where, you know, he just kind of makes you go to the codex and go into the to- tutorial screen. So mm. then it, it kind of just points out, you know, this Ordis goes, Oh, before you continue on, with your slight slaying of, of uh, Grenier forces, check out the, the codex. Um, if you have any questions about any other mechanics or something like that. So it basically pushes you to the codex. So now, you know, the codex is there, you know, the tutorial section is there. Mm. You, you've got everything sorted out. You probably do know this, but I'll ask anyway. Were you aware that the codex in the tutorial section has an advanced movement training thing that you can go into that puts you into the simulacrum and teaches you how to wall, uh, aim glide, wall latch, do all that kind of stuff in a timed manner? I, I did know this, um, but it actually, I didn't know this to begin with. Um, yes. So I actually discovered aim gliding myself accidentally. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't even aware it was a thing um, and it was just me mucking around in my dojo uh, and I pressed the button while I was jumping and next thing I know I'm, I'm gliding I've got this cool energy effect um, <laughs> like leaking off me and I'm like that is amazing why have I not known about this and this is a good maybe 
200 hours into the game. Mm. Um, I learned about it early because I, I don't know who it was. It could have been Iflin or one of those beginners videos. I watched one of those and I was like, shit, I didn't know that existed. And then I went into the tutorial section and I did that and it taught me a whole bunch of things uh, about how to move in the game, wall hopping, um, you know, being able to look up and jump up walls and do all that kind of stuff. Because if, if you don't do that, you don't know you can do all these things. Um, so I think Warframe has a problem with its beginning, its, its early game. I think it has a big problem, to be honest, because it's, it's a massive learning gap and forcing people to go to uh, Google or to the wiki is not the, the best approach, in my opinion. Um, it should all be in the game, and it is all in the game, but I, think, I realistically do think that Warframe doesn't need a new, tor new tutorial. I think that, that, like I said, I think what's there is already good. It's a good skeleton, uh, but I think it just needs to be refined. Even if, like you said, uh, they could have uh, Audis making a reference to it, what if they had, when you go up to the, um, the mods for the first time, and the first time only, it says, would you like to look at the codex page for modding? Actually, that would be fantastic. When you uh, go to the relics page, would you like to go to the codex page about relic foundry, about the relic thing? Yeah, no, that would be fantastic. I mean, if you go to these things, normally at the bottom it says press R2 or L2 to go to a tutorial anyway, but you don't yeah. notice that. Exactly. But or even just once you've finished Vor's prize, if it comes up on screen and says there's a friggin' codex that exists... <laughs> And these are all the different things you can see. Advanced modding, advanced uh, movement, blah, 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 blah. And just has a list of all those things. Would you like to go to the Codex now to have a look? Yeah. Even something like that would be a good start to teaching people how to play the game. Because nine times out of nine times, <laughs> if you ask a, a new player um, what the, the hardest thing about Warframe is, they'll, they'll probably say everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or modding or, you know, there's too much. There's, it's, it's, you know, it's confusing. It's so complex. It's, I'm drowning, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. Anything to add on the tutorial, Dilly, what's it? Even if they were just turned around and make it a little bit more interactive and gave Audis more of a, a speech um, about you know something so you let's say you go to mods uh you just have basically orders in the background explaining how to mod things just like a in the background tutorial that you don't really have to you know mm. it's not it's not on the screen in your face it's just orders talking so you can listen and eventually to it. it goes away once you hit the 10 hour mark or something yeah 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 something, something simple like that just yeah that, it, to be big in your face, it could just be something subtle, like orders talking about how something works, or even just the the codex flashing for new players. Yeah, saying check check training here or something like that. And when you go look at it, it then has a little checkbox that says don't flash anymore or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a number of ways they could do things. Yeah, like a little marker so that if you're at the uh, in the arsenal, there's a marker flashing going, hey, come check out the codex. Come check mm. out the codex. It's up here. Woo! This way. Exactly. <laughs> so I think there's a number of ways they can do things. Um, 
let's do a call out to everyone in the community. Feel free to post your thoughts about um, what DE can do to make it better. We might uh, start a post on the Facebook group and um, have a bit of a discussion in the Discord. Let us know what your thoughts about uh, the tutorial are and, and whether you think um, what needs to be done. I know there are some of our, our listeners that are relatively new players and some of them are long-term older players who might have some um, some other ideas as well. So everyone um, give us some feedback. Ideas are welcome. Open they the floodgates. Floodgates are open. Tell us. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... The next thing we have on, of course, is uh, this week's community guest star. Like I said, we've got Lars on. Um, he and both of Lucas and myself are going to, to go into a little bit about who we are and, and um, where we came from and why we like Warframe. Uh, so we will move on to that um, interview, I guess it is now. Bit of a... Um, Wayne's World reference there for some of you older folk like me. Uh, and we'll be back afterwards. Peace. Okay, welcome to our, uh, what do we call it? Community guest star section for this week. It is the big episode 10 party time. Um, and we thought we'd do something a little bit different. So rather than, I mean, I was going to say, rather than have a member of the community come on and talk about themselves, we'll have Lars come on. Lars is a member of the community, <laughs> but he's also, you know, one of our uh, helpful Cephalons here. He's, he's a moderator of ours. Of course, you'd see him on Discord and on Facebook. We probably don't need a moderator just yet because we don't have thousands of users on Discord, but um, it's, good to it's all good. Exactly. So um, it's good just having people to help us as well, to help build the community, et cetera, et cetera. So we have Cephalon Lars on with us today, and we thought we'd introduce ourselves and just let you know who we are. Lars, say hello. Hey, hi, guys. It's good good to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> not, that we, not that we haven't met before. Yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't yeah. met well, in person, I guess. Too. Yeah. 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 No, it's good to have you on the show, mate. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like... Like how we guys met. It's like I heard, started listening to you guys, and I'm like, well, this is this is something I've got to be a part of. This was, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. That was one question I was going to throw at you right now before we did the stuff that we already discussed before starting recording. <laughs> I was going to say, um, you know, what, what made you join to become part of the team, but you've covered that. So what is it that you want to try and achieve while working alongside us? Well, I was... Um, in a previous life, I guess, I was heavily involved with the EVE community and um, I was a part of a thing called EVE Down Under. And when I saw you guys kicking this off and the passion you guys had is that was something I could see right away is that if we can, we can be a part of this community and we can bring everyone together, then there's no reason we couldn't have a Tenocon Down Under. Yeah. I like the idea of that. So uh, hopefully we can get to something like that. I mean, we do want to be... Um, a international um, community. So, you know, that's not to say that if you're outside of Australia, you can't be a part of who we are. But um, for us here no, located no, in no. Australia that don't get those Tenocon stuff, uh, it would be nice to have. It so, would be, be very nice. Yeah. yeah. Digital yeah. high five. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so that sort of did cut into some of the stuff we are going to do. So we're going to have a little bit of intro, intro of ourselves and who we are and where we came from and why we're doing what we're doing. 
um, just as a special for, for episode 10. So, who am I? I do call myself Cephalon Greg, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to use my full name. Not everyone is, but I'll, I will. Uh, my name's Greg Newbigin. I've been playing video games for a hell of a long time. I'm an old fella. Uh, I've got two kids. They're in primary school. And, um, yeah, I guess I've, I've always loved games since the early 80s. I've read magazines. I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to do, to do all sorts of things. Uh, I did get into writing, so I used to write for a local independent website called Survivor. Um, I currently write for another independent website here in Australia called Power Up Gaming. Um, so I do a few reviews and things for, for them there. But, of course, I do have a full-time job. I'm a sales guy. Um, and I, I guess... What it was is I used to love playing a lot of single-player games and all that kind of thing. I never thought I'd ever get into multiplayer games until Destiny came along. And I got completely enamored with the game and I got completely addicted to it. I hit almost a 1,000 hours in Destiny 1. I didn't quite make it. I was about 18 hours off. Um, but that shows how much I absolutely loved that game and playing with my friends and doing raids and things like that. Destiny 2 came out and it, it wasn't quite what Destiny 1 was. But even before Destiny 2 came out, Destiny 1 was that was very dull at the time. And rather than waiting, I thought I was just going to try out Warframe. So I started playing Warframe about a month before Destiny 2 came out. And after De uh, Destiny 2 came out, I put in a few hours. I put in probably 100 hours into Destiny 2, and I thought, I'd rather play Warframe. <laughs> and here I am, 700 hours later. Um, in Warframe. About two months after that, I hit up uh, the Warframe Australia and New Zealand page, Facebook page, just so everyone knows we're, we are not related to that Facebook page. We have, uh, you know, we, we work with the admins there. So I, that's why I do um, share the information there. They're, they're happy for me to share that. But, you know, we're not part of that page. We're just part of that community. Uh, and I reached out there and said, hey, I'm looking for a clan. And Lucas is the person who replied. And, you know, the, the rest is kind of history. Um, Shit, now we've I'm stuck together. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, dude. We've we've played together for for the last year, pretty much um, on an almost nightly basis, and just had a blast playing the video, the video game that we love. Um, we we do play a bit of Destiny Two now that it's a bit better than it was when Destiny Two first came out. But Warframe is our first love. Uh, Lucas knows a hell of a lot about the game. I like to think I know a lot about the game, but I also like to do things my own way. Um, and realistically, because of my love for it and because of my love for the writing, I wanted to do something different. I noticed there were no Warf or there were a couple of Warframe podcasts out there, and I thought it'd be a good chance for us to start up something new. Um, and here we are, however many months later. So that's kind of my story. We'll probably share little tidbits about who we are and where we time. I mean, there's a lot of things about me that I haven't shared. Um, you know, last week, I think it was, or the week before, we talked about how I used to be a skateboarder. Uh, I have mentioned that I used to live in Tokyo. So there's a lot about us that we could talk about, and we will probably get into some of that stuff over time, but that's all I wanted to share today. So that's me. On to Cephalon Lars. Oh, hey. Oh, um, well, I'm not nearly as interesting as, as you, Cephalon Greg. Jeez, I'm just a poor little Cephalon Lars. <laughs> Um, well, I've been, I remember, I think the first game I ever purchased was, uh, Command and Conquer, the original one on PlayStation 1. 
because it was the only game in the shop that had two discs. So I was trying to get more bang for my buck. Um, and um, oh, I was in primary school then. I had no idea, but I, um, I've never looked back. I've just been pretty much hooked on gaming ever since. Uh, and I don't know, it's just kind of all types, really. I'm not very good at first-person shooters, but it doesn't stop me from playing. Um, yeah. So uh, I got so starting with um, RTS as what I thought gaming was. Going into everything else, everything was interesting. Um, and then uh, I discovered Eve, and I played Eve for many years and made many, many great friends playing Eve. And um, Eve is essentially, if you don't know what it is, imagine spreadsheets, but in space. <laughs> You're not selling it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like work. Anyone who, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's and that's why I walked away from it in the end. Is I, I, got, I had so much fun playing Eve, and I was um, got great involved with the community and so many incredible guys in that community. And um, but just the more involved you get, the more it become. It became a a bit more of a job and then with um my change of circumstances like i got married i've had a kid i've changed jobs it just it was something i had to tuck away because it was it was either evil my family nearly um and so I, I started yeah i started playing more casual things and i played um like everyone did i played warframe at launch i think and then and then tucked it away and then played it again when planes of eidolon launched and I played it for longer than I played it at launch, and then and then I tucked it away again. But then I had a revival with a group of mates where they were. I started playing Warframe, and I'm like, "Hey guys, why don't you just come and try this?" And they all jumped on, and they've all been addicted. So there's about six of us, I think, that all jumped back into it at the same time. And it's that it's that feeling of community you get in Warframe that I think keeps people playing. And that's that's yeah. the best part about it is you can even jump into like the well, maybe not the trade chat, it's not the best place, but um, you can jump into um, a regular <laughs> chat and put out a call and say, hey, I'm, I'm keen to do this if anyone else is, and you'll get people jump in. It's brilliant. Like, there's not many other games where, where that can happen. And I, I really enjoy that part of community. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So is, are all of those six people in, in the clan at the moment? Because I know there's two or three of you. There are I a couple resisting us. There was one resisting. <laughs> he, um, he, he's, not a, he's not a tea man, so he um, wow, did not okay. want to. Didn't want the um, debauchery tea party in his no. his fashion frame title, which I think was a bit ridiculous. But he's um, he's with another Aussie group, Pixel Pub. Shout out to those guys. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but um, yeah, we've got buns and um, white. I can't even say the second bit, so I won't even try. Yeah, one tzatziki. <laughs> tzatziki. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're two great guys. So if you anyone in the clan ever comes in, and you feel free to give those guys a shout, they're always willing to jump in and give his hand with anything you're doing. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah. All righty. Um, well, that's me. I think we'll um, we'll move on to Mr. Cephalon Lucas. Go for it. Oh shit. Um, okay, so. Uh... Well, I got, I got into gaming at a very, very young age. Um, I think I would have been six, six or seven uh, when my parents brought home the, the good old Super NES. Uh, great way to start gaming. Um, 
definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, we had two games with it. One was a, an old Formula One racing game, which back in those days, racing games were just dull. <laughs> um, at the time, it would have been probably been like the greatest thing ever. But looking back, it was pretty, pretty lackluster. Uh, and the second game was Yoshi's Island. Um, now, being nice, being six or seven, you got no real, um, no real skill when it comes to multitasking and, and and pressing different buttons to make combos and whatnot. So, I tried, but I failed mostly. Um, but I, I found that the story was was uh, was a good bit bit interesting. So most of the time, I just spent watching uh, my mother play, um, and that was that was one of the best times to just just let hours go by just watching other people play games and watching the story unfold uh, at someone's control. So I thought that was, uh, that was always uh, one of the things I loved about gaming at a young age. Um, from there, I moved on to PlayStation one, the, uh, the original PlayStation. Um, and that's when racing games actually did look good. The, uh, the original need for speed. That was, that was a, a pretty good game. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of getting a bit off track here. Uh, Ridge Racer. <laughs> but I think, I think uh, one of the one of the turning points for gaming for me was when my dad introduced me to Mech Warrior Two. Um, nice. <laughs> big robots blowing other big robots up. <laughs> um, I absolutely fell in love with that game straight off the bat. Loved it to bits. Um, so from there, the whole concept of giant robots or just the sci-fi genre really jumped out to me at that point. Uh, Cause you know, a lot of the fights were on, um, I think Mars in, in MechWarrior 2, I think maybe possibly correct me if I'm wrong. Can't remember. I can't remember too long, too long ago. Um, so yeah, MechWarrior 2, the whole sci-fi thing, giant robots, awesome laser cannons. It's amazing. Um, Shit, where do I where do I go from there? Uh, it's your story, bro. My story. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of years ago, uh, when PS4 first got released, I'd never even heard of of Warframe or anything like that. I'd never seen anything for it, as I'm sure most people never really did. Um. But you know, my friend, a friend of mine, got a PS4 and jumped into the PlayStation store. One of the very first games they had available uh, was Warframe. And you know, we looked at it and it was Space Ninjas. And looking at the whole sci-fi thing for me, Space Ninjas was just the coolest concept ever. Um, so, you know, we, we downloaded it, uh, had a little bit of a test run with Excalibur in his original, um, original kit. And you know, we liked the way the game looked. Uh, but I did not have the funds for a PS4 at that time or any of the, uh, the newer gen consoles. So unfortunately I couldn't jump straight into it and, and divulge so many hours to gameplay. Um, until about two years ago now, I think. Yeah. Two years ago when I finally got my PS4 and I thought, fuck it, I'm going to jump in, going to get Warframe, give it a proper play out. By then, a hell of a lot of things had changed uh, from the original, so it was a completely new game from what I had seen uh, originally being played. Um, but there wasn't really much of a 
uh, tutorial or anything for it. So it was kind of hard to pick up straight away. Um, so after about two weeks, I, I dropped it and continued doing the whole solo story games uh, until one of my friends turned around and said, have you ever played Warframe? I'm like, yeah, I've played it. <laughs> I've played all the free games. I, I go through that store all the time and get all the free games. <laughs> um, so we jumped on and we, we divulged a few more hours into it. And uh, I think I reached a point where I finally had found a part of the game I liked. You know, we hit a little bit of the law side of things and I thought, wow, this, this story is going to take, take me places. This story is going to throw me down that rabbit hole and I'm going to get lost. So let's just dive in head first. Don't even think about it. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I jumped on Wikipedia, looked at all the little tidbits on how to, uh, how to do specific things, just looking for any, any hints and tips whatsoever, just to get me further into the game. Um, and I, I learned a lot. So Shout out to, to uh, the Warframe Wiki. It is the greatest help you will ever, ever have. Um, Amen. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I thought I can build a, a little bit of community from uh, in here. Like as Lars was saying, it's part of the have, having a community, building a community in a game is is a uh, is quite a invigorating feeling. Um, so I actually decided to create the debauchery tea party clan and at, um, at that foundering of the clan, I think I had all of, uh, four members that joined up. Um, so, you know, started off really tiny, just my closest friends that were, that I played with at the time. And eventually just down the track, I think it was a good six months after I built the clan, I, uh, saw Greg's message on, the Australia Warframe Facebook page. And I thought I'm going to step out of my shell and actually talk to a complete stranger. <laughs> and now I'm Hi. stuck. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, adopting more and more strangers into the clan as we go. And it, I'm, it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's great. <laughs> so you adopted me. Can I call you dad? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> you're like you're like 13 years older than me. <laughs> it, it might be a bit weird. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> um, no, like, that, that's pretty much my story of how I got into Warframe, how I started the community that uh, that has now branched out into uh, a, a partnership, and how we've then made it made uh, more friends and brought more people on board. So. Shit! All, all it took was talking to one person. <laughs> well, it took it took talking to to together for a year, <laughs> but, but we got there, and we're all we're all happy now. So see, we're all interesting. We got our interesting stories. Where Lars is coming from, I'm not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, well that's um that's us. Any any anything anyone uh, wants to add before we sort of move on? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. My side. Mr. Lars, do you want to plug yourself on anything? Um, no, well, I'm just, I'm spooned forever on PS4 with, uh, yes, two zeros instead of O's. <laughs> um, and yeah. a four and an ever. Yeah. And a four and an ever. <laughs> that was shout out to 13 year old me killing it. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, if he's if he's a remote frame, you want to come play a game, or you're getting stuck on a mission and you need a hand, um, probably. I probably can't carry her, but I'm there to help. <laughs> um, or any other games that you can see that I've got um, trying to platinum things. I've only got yeah. three or four platinums. And there's a few where I'm, I've got one trophy left to get a platinum and I just can't do that last thing like Fight and Fall 2 where I can't do the speed run because Damn. I have, I'm all thumbs. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Shout out whenever you want to on PS4. Nice. Yeah. Okay, it looks like we've um, we've lost Lars. He's dropped out, but that's all right. Um, he was he was just at the end of his little spiel there. Basically, hit him up on PS4 and and, and have a game with him. Um, thanks to Lars for joining us for this week's community guest star. What timing on that dropout? Oh, yeah. Anyway, timing. <laughs> <laughs> we will move on to the rest of the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lars. <laughs> Thanks to Lars for coming on for that. That was um, a good chat. Um, and we shared a little bit about ourselves, which was wonderful, for this special episode 10. Back into the rest of the um, the rest, rest of the episode, though. Uh, well, I, I could, hope uh, no one fell asleep during that. No. <laughs> We'd go on a bit, but um, you know, I, th- I thought it might be something interesting that people might want to know about us now that they've... Um, Many of you have been listening to us for 10 episodes now. Who are these guys? Um, the other thing, so uh, we, we, like I said, I think in that interview, we don't have a, a massive following just yet. We've got 100 people on Facebook, which is fantastic. Uh, really made me happy when we hit that number. We've got about 40-odd now. Um, on Discord, might be 30, because I had to get, through of a f- uh, uh, get rid of a few that were doubles. Um, but yeah, that's grown really, uh, really fast, and um, there's a lot of communication there. But we probably don't need a moderator until we've got several hundred people in there. But still, uh, it's great to have Lars. He's really keen to help out, and he's he's definitely there uh, amidst the conversation as well. So thank you to Lars for uh, being there to support us as well. All right. So where am I? The beginner topic. We talked about modding earlier and I wanted to do a little bit of a discussion and it's not, I'm not going to go too much into modding right now because as a beginner topic, um, modding, it's not really a beginner topic. It is, but it isn't. And there's so much to it. So if you've looked at mods, um, there's something like 800 mods in the game and that's no shit. That is the truth. There are something like 800 different mods in the game and they can be for all sorts of different things. So some mods are are very specific to weapons or they're very specific to companions or they're specific to whatever. Um, But other mods will be uh, generic. So they will apply to a whole bunch of different primary weapons and possibly also some uh, sentinel weapons as well. Uh, So there's a lot to know about mods. Some of them are status-based, some of them are crit-based. What does that mean? Some of them have uh, damage types. What does that mean? Um, It's really, really complicated, and there's a lot to it. So uh, we've been talking, Lucas and I, about different kinds of specials we can do with with our episodes. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did a special on... The syndicates. syndicates. Um, and I had an idea that maybe we could do a, a special on status. Because 
could pretty much do a whole episode about what status is and the different kinds of status and things like that. So uh, even if we don't end up doing that, I think there's a lot to talk about with status and it can be both advanced and beginner. So I won't necessarily touch on all of that. I really wanted just to explain where to start when it comes to modding, because a lot of you will probably go in and say, this is far too complicated. I see there's a button that says auto mod and I'm just gonna put on whatever it thinks and we'll go from there. And initially that's probably not a bad idea. It does work, um, but as you get into the game and you've played more, probably by the time you've maxed out your first Warframe, you really should understand modding because that's where you're going to start tripping yourself up. So. First things first, I'm only going to explain modding from the perspective of a weapon, let's say primary weapons. So I don't, I don't wanna go over everything because there's so many different things, but everything has the same approach. So when you're looking at a weapon, let's say a primary uh, rifle, you will have eight empty slots across the top right-hand side of your screen. That's where you can put mods. So you can put up to eight different mods in those slots. When you're looking at the left side of the screen, you'll see all the base stats of the weapon. Above that, you'll also see the term capacity. Now, the amount of capacity that you have will depend immediately on your um, mastery rank. So if your mastery rank one, you will have capacity of one. It probably, if you haven't put anything, any weapons, sorry, any mods on your weapon, it will be zero out of one because you haven't used any of the capacity. Sorry, it'll be one of one because you have one capacity out of one available. Um, once you've used that up, then it'll be zero out of one. So every weapon has 30 levels. So you can level it up from level zero all the way to level 30. Each level adds one more capacity. So it starts off at one. Once it gets to level two, it gets to um, uh, two capacity and so on until it hits max rank at 30 and it hits max capacity at 30. So that's the basic thing you need to know. Capacity is based on your mastery rank. What does capacity mean? So it's the amount of, God, what is it? Uh, when you look at a mod, for example, so um, the primary mod that you'll use on a uh, rifle will be serration. And serration is a damage mod. So it's going to increase your damage. In the top right-hand corner of that mod, there will be a number. And I think for serration base, it's two or four, something like that. Um, when you start out the game, you probably start out with uh, a damaged or a flawed serration mod. And maybe that has two, doesn't really matter. The number refers to the drain on capacity. So if the number is two and the available capacity you have is one, you can't use that mod. If you have a mod that is one, you can use that mod because that's the amount of your capacity. But let's say we've got 10 capacity to play with and you have serration, which is four. You put the four um, drain mod into your mod slot and now you only have six capacity left. Okay, so that's how it works. The number on the mod talks about how much it's going to use of your capacity. The capacity is how much, basically it's a measure of how many mods you can use or the number, the, the strength of the mods that you can use. So that sort of makes a little bit of sense. Maybe some of you are confused. I hope not. It's, it's really quite confusing realistically. It's a very sort of deep and involving topic. 
The thing you need to look at when you're modding is those base stats. Now, I'm not going to, to go into detail about what's good and what's bad. Initially, that's up to you. But when you put a mod on, you're going to see those numbers change. If it's green, that means it's better. If it's red, that means it's worse. Now, sometimes that means, for example, if you're doing a melee weapon, I said I wasn't going to look at other weapons, but I am now. <laughs> if you're doing a melee weapon and you increase the attack speed, the attack speed number is actually going to go down. But that's a positive thing. <clears throat> so you need to look at what the base stats are and what your mods that you're putting on are doing to those stats. So if you've got a damage mod and you put it on, so if it says, just to make numbers easier, 100%, if you have um, a weapon that does 10 base damage and you put a 100% increased damage mod on, it will now do 20. It's as simple as that. It'll be 100% extra damage. So when you put that mod on, you'll see that the numbers will change. It'll be green. Uh, so that's a really easy way of seeing what you're changing when you're putting mods on. Um, for weapons, I would suggest that you really want to focus on damage. Some weapons, um, and it really it comes down to how the weapon feels to you, especially in that early part of the game, because none of the weapons are really any good. I'm sure someone's going to tell me um, that you know they love the Mark One Breton. Let's face it, nobody's going to tell me they love the Mark One Breton. But I so <laughs> hope I so hope someone does. I, I really hope someone does. <laughs> <laughs> who have gone on to prove that you can make the Mark I Bratton almost endgame viable. And if they have done that, kudos to them. I'm not that person. Because there are better weapons in the game. And I'm sure you probably can. You put enough former into it, I'm sure you can make it into an okay weapon. But anyway, those early weapons in the game aren't worth worrying about too much, but you just really want to make them feel good for you. So if you want to make them have a faster rate of fire, go for it. If you want to make the reload spade uh, speed better go for it whatever you want to do but when it comes to modding have a look at those numbers and how you're affecting them when you put those cards the, the mods um onto the weapon there's a lot more to modding i just wanted to do an introduction and really the takeaways are to look at those numbers what your capacity is and what the drain is on the mod and the other thing is when you put mods on look at how it changes the numbers um is that going to really help you make a really kick-ass uh, gun right off the bat? Not really, but you know, I don't think in a five-minute slot here on this podcast I can explain how to mod to someone who's just started the game. <laughs> Let's be honest, that's not really possible. Um, the one thing that I didn't really go on to is that each of the mods will have a funny little symbol on them. Um, next to their drain. So I did say that they've got a number in the top right-hand corner and some of them will have what looks like a V or a dash or a kind of triangular D. Um, and this is referred to as polarity. Um, this is important. It is one thing I, I do want to mention before I end this topic because it is one of the, you know, the, the core concepts of modding. And that is if you match the symbol on the mod to the symbol on the slot, then it will halve the drain. So if the, the mod has 10 drain, so uh, it's a serration mod again, and a ten, it's 10 drain, and you put it into the same symbol, I think serration has a V polarity. I can't remember anymore. doesn't matter. <laughs> if, you, if you take that mod and you match the polarity, you match the symbol, 
it will now be five drain. So that comes into play later on down the game in, in the game. Well, it comes into play right from the start, actually, because several of the weapons you use will have polarities on them, and that's to teach you how to use them. So if you match the symbol, it's going to halve the drain. If you don't match the symbol, it will increase the drain. It won't double it, but it'll increase it by one or two. So I think, it, I think it's a 10% increase. Increase. So in, in that example, serration would go from 10 to 11. Okay, so that's really, really important to know as well. So look at your capacity, look at your drain, and look at the, the polarity. Make sure all of that makes sense to you. And then the next thing is look at how your mods are changing the numbers um, uh, in the base stats, because that's really important too. Eventually, you'll come to learn about different um, attack types. You'll, ha you'll come to learn about crit damage versus status damage. And keep in mind when you're looking at percentages, that's probably another important thing to, to look at. If your base stat is a percentage, so the base stat is critical chance and that's 10%, if you increase that by 100%, that's not going to suddenly be 110%. It's only going to be 20%. So it increases it by the total value of the base stat. So that's really important to know as well. So modding, modding is complicated and getting your head around it at first is, let's be honest, a pain in the ass. But once you've got your head around it, it opens up the game immensely because you learn that you have total control about what your weapons or your Warframe are they work when you put a mod on a weapon in warframe you notice the difference immediately if you want to test that out grab a mark one bratton and the only mod put on so use it that's that was a mark one bratton sound <laughs> sound recorder but yeah i went into a different profession um put on a rate of fire increase mod on there and see the difference for yourself you'll see it immediately put on a uh, increased reload speed mod you will see the difference that's fast hands haha <laughs> i remembered that one even though i don't use it so <laughs> use all those mods and you'll see the difference and that that goes to show that you have total control over everything in the game in in warframe and modding is one of the things that makes warframe great one of many things that makes warframe great um did i miss anything lucas it's a, such a crazy topic to be attempting for a beginner's topic but it has to be done no, I think you've uh, covered everything quite well. Um, modding, modding is fantastic. Um, I, I personally think it's one of the things that actually drives me to want to keep playing Warframe just because of all the different customization uh, capabilities behind it. So it is, it is essentially the core aspect of the game. So it is, I'm going to say in my opinion, and my opinion, this is the most important thing to learn. Yeah, I'd agree. That, that, I would agree with that. It is um, the core thing behind everything in Warframe. Knowing how to mod is knowing how to be powerful. Yep. Yep. Excellent. All right. So that was modding. Now our advanced topic this week. Again, we're continuing the uh, Silver Silver Grove farming. I have a little bit of a frog in my throat, so I'm just going to pass straight over to Lucas. Go for it. All right. So first off, disclaimer. Um, we're not experts. What we say is entirely our opinion. So don't shoot us. <laughs> uh, so as I did last week, I went on with the uh, sunlight uh, apothic farming. This week I'm going on to the nightfall um, 
uh, Apothic. Uh, to start off with, going to go through the plants you need to scan. Um, I, I did have a comment from one one person on a Discord last week who said that after listening to this, it sounded like they needed to become a uh, nature photographer. That's essentially right. This is this is Warframe nature photography. <laughs> so starting off, we got Dusklight uh, Saracenia, and you only need two of these, uh, and they are found on Ceres in the Grenier shipyards, and you'll find them in any swampy waters. Um, and the swamp, the, now, I've, I've looked at the swampy waters. They are disgusting, and it can sometimes be quite hard to see any plant life in them. Um, so have your scanner at the ready because with the scanner equipped and if you're looking at it through the scope, uh, you will see the plants pulsating and flashing. So, yeah, you can find them easier. Uh, next up, we have the Moonlight Dragon Lilies, and you need six of them, uh, and the Sunlight uh, Thresh Cones, which you need 12 of. Now, both of these items can be found on Earth. Um, the Moonlight Thresh Cones at night and the Sunlight... Uh, sorry, Moonlight Dragon Lilies at night and the Sunlight Thresh Cones during the day. Um, so as I stated last week, they, there is a separate time frame um, of night and day from the Plains of Eidolon, and I have confirmed it is a four-hour four wait. So this one's going to be a bit of a pain because you'll have to make sure you're in the, the right time of day or night, whatever, uh, and do one type of plant scanning, wait the four hours or however long you have to wait. It could be four hours. It could be that night has just started and you've got to wait four hours till daytime to get the second plant type. So this one is one of the pains. Uh, and this is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to having to do this. <laughs> um, yeah. And as I said, this is, this is a completely separate uh, time frame from the Plains of Eidolon. The uh, spectre that is summoned by the Nightfall Apothic is actually the Knave Spectre, and the Knave Spectre takes on the form of Loki wearing the Knave uh, Deluxe skin. Um, so, looks amazing. You, it's always great fighting a fighting an aesthetically pleasing enemy. <laughs> um, and in, interestingly enough. Uh, this Loki Spectre actually keeps all of its abilities. Now, I did mention last week that the Oberon Spectre uh, doesn't have its fourth ability and instead it actually borrowed Tornado from Zephyr. Um, so it's interesting that Loki pretty much has all of his abilities normally, but there was a twist on Decoy. Uh, so Decoy can actually be cast multiple times by the Knave, um, and it has a bit of a... I've been trying to think of it. It's a bit of a, a link from Trinity, but with a bit of a augmented um, walking dead from Necros. So the uh, decoys are linked up to the main Loki and damaging the decoys reflects the damage back to the player. So they're a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, so yeah, keep keep that in mind. If you see the decoys, don't shoot. Try not to shoot the decoys because uh, you will just be punching yourself in the face essentially. 
Um, as for drops, now, to be honest, there's only realistically one good drop from um, from the nave, and I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna put that one last. So we're gonna go through the crappy ones first. Um, I don't, my opinion, keep that in mind. Uh, so starting off with, we got pistol amp, which is an aura mod, uh, and this is just a essentially increases damage on um, secondary weapons, not pistols. And this has a 51% drop rate. Uh, so it's the easiest one to acquire. Um, so yeah, easy, easy get it. The next one, or the next two, to be honest, I don't, uh, I, I don't like the fact that they've put them at such a low drop rate on the nave. Uh, so first off, you have Blind Justice, which is a 36% drop rate. And it's the Nakana stance. And I've seen a lot of people say that this is uh, one of the better Nakana stances. Um, this also drops from the Shadow Stalker. So, and uh, honestly, it's quite a common drop from the Stalker. So, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next one is Crimson Dervish. Uh, again, this is a, a stance, this is a sword stance, and it can also be acquired from other means. In fact, literally any bombard, um, Grenier bombard or corrupted bombard in the game actually drops the uh, Crimson D Dervish. And on the nave, it has a 6% drop rate. Uh, chances are you've already got these these two mods. So it's not, it's not looking like a, a, a very important one to farm just yet until I get to the last one. Growing power. This is, this is a rare uh, aura mod, so it's gold. Um, and it's a 6% drop rate, much like the Crimson Dervish, so yay. And it's got a really nice ability. It's basically stat procs increase your power strength by 25% for six seconds. And this is at maxed out um, capabilities on this mod. So yeah, you, you go running in, you've got a status weapon, you hit someone, you get that stat proc. You're, you're guaranteed a 25% increase to your power strength uh, for, your, for your abilities on your Warframe. What more can you want, really? It, <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, as I said, there's not much to farm on on the uh, the Nightfall Apothic, except for the growing power. Uh, and it unfortunately has the lowest drop rate. So have fun. Have, have as much fun as possible with that. Um, Last week I was saying that um, there was one particular mod I was excited about uh, hearing about, and that was that was that very mod growing, growing power. power, growing power. Um, I still don't have it, so I need to um, go and do that and be a nature photographer for a while. Because I hear <laughs> that that makes Saren in particular um, very powerful. Ooh, I I can imagine. I can definitely imagine that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. There was one other thing I wanted to say. <clears throat> um, you mentioned in regards to Earth that there are different time frames and that there's four hours between it. I would recommend a tool called Tenno Tools. So Tenno.tools on the internet. Um, that's all you need to type T E N N O dot T O O L S. 
and it will take you to a website that lists out basically everything, all the alerts that are going, the invasions, avoid fishes, sorties, etc., whatever is going on, plus the current time on Earth and Cetus. So it will let you know exactly how much is left. So uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it says Earth has four minutes of sunshine left. After that, it'll be nighttime. Um, so do that, and you can change it from uh, PC to Xbox to PS1. It's pretty easy to – sorry. <laughs> PS4. <laughs> I don't know why I went with PS1, but I did. Um, yeah, so that's a really, really useful thing for uh, farming for that stuff because otherwise it would be a nightmare. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to add on to that before we move on? Uh, nope, just uh, next week I will be covering the last one, which will be the Twilight Apothic. Um, so look out for that one. Exciting times ahead. All right, so community call out this week. I wanted to start with something a little bit different. So this is slightly negative, I guess, uh, but I wanted to mention it. So during the week, you probably heard that Telltale, Telltale Games has closed down and a lot of people have lost their job. It's very sad. They made a whole bunch of really fantastic games, but they were a little bit left of center when it comes to um, the approach that they had to gaming. There are a lot of people that don't like that style of games, and that's fine. You don't have to like everything. Uh, there were a lot of people that did like them. I really enjoyed the Walking Dead games that they made, um, and the uh, Game of Thrones game they made was also quite good. I did find towards the end that, you know, once you played one of those kinds of games, you almost felt like you played them all, even though they had a different storyline. Uh, but, you know, um, a lot of people really enjoyed those games. But any, whichever way you cut it, they've closed down and a lot of people have lost their jobs, which is quite sad. Um, DE posted on Twitter and a whole bunch of different places saying, hey, if you're out of a job because of this, we'd love to have you come on board. And they posted their jobs page which is a great gesture. But I did notice one guy um, who has a Warframe-related page on Facebook. Uh, I was following this page, and um, I noticed, I'm assuming it's a he, it may not be a he, but this person posted um, on their page where they have two or 3,000 followers that they thought that D doing that was bullshit because Telltale Games made terrible games and they didn't want people coming over to DE to, you know, turn Warframe into a Telltale Games time type, you know, story simulator or a walking simulator. Um, and I thought that was terrible, to be honest. So I unfollowed that page. I, know, I no longer follow them. And I'm not going to mention who it was because stuff them. But realistically, if you're going to have a following like us, for example, um, we have a humble following of you good listeners. Um, if you're going to say something, you need to think about what you say first and you need to have a little bit of an understanding. And that was a really naive understanding of the way that the video games industry works. Um, and it was really just a person who wanted to say, you know what, I hate telltale games and I don't want them infesting my video games. Uh, and it was really sort of, um, the wrong approach to take. And especially when you've got a following, yes. Okay. You should be able to voice your opinion, but you know, when people are listening to you and following you, I think you need to, um, think things through before you say things so in reality those people they have a skill their skill may be art it may be storytelling 
It may be um, just coding. It could be a number of different things. And whatever their skills are, they could make a number of different kinds of games. They just happen to make the games at Telltale Games that they're making. So, of course, they should go to DE. Of course. And if they do go to DE, they're not going to infect and change the games. Some of their ideas that they bring may end up improving Warframe. Or they may not. They may end up just drawing pictures and doing what they're told. But either way, everybody deserves a job and it sucks when people lose their jobs. And I think it was a great gesture of D to offer and not such a great uh, gesture of this other person to um, try to put them down for making that offer. Um, So yeah, a little bit of a negative call out, but I think sometimes it needs to be done. Um, let us know what your, your opinions are. Uh, not, like I said, not everyone liked tell, Telltale Games. Um, I liked a few of their games, but I found they started to get a bit samey after a while, but that's life. You not everyone likes everything. Over to you, Lucas. All right. So, um, well, actually, that was a good segue because uh, this week's uh, Cephalon Cookie callout is to your master, 145, uh, who is a new member of our Discord. Uh, and he pointed out that in episode eight, uh, I may have slipped up a little bit uh, when talking about uh, particular mods in energy regen. Um, so I just want to elaborate with people that uh, I wasn't saying that these mods are bad and it's not a good idea to swap out um, energy for health. Uh, I'm just saying that it's circumstantial and very situational and you want to be careful when you're handling these kind of things. Uh, yeah. So thank you, your master one, four, five, um, for pointing that out. Glad we've uh, been able to go back over that and uh, look into that a bit further. Thank you so much. It's always good for people to reach out and let us know their thoughts on different things because sometimes we say things off, off cuff um, and we know what we mean when we say them, but other people may take them in a slightly different way. So we really appreciate people coming out and saying, hey, I, I thought this about this um, and we get to sort of rectify on the show. Cool, cool. So... I did say last week and every other week for the last four weeks beforehand that we would be announcing the winners of our um, competition on today's or on episode 10, which is this week's episode. And that's what I am about to do. So we did have a number of, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Entries. Entries is the word. I was going to say applications. That's not the right word. But we did have a number of entries uh, for a number of different people. And thank you so much, especially over the last week. The entries just went a little bit crazy. Um, So that was really, really good. We appreciate all of you for sharing and helping spread the word about our uh, modest little podcast. Uh, So for the PC, the prize goes to the person who actually submitted the most um, entries. and of course, by way of sort of maths, that was luckily enough that he ended up winning. Uh, Lord Frieson, uh from our Discord. Um, he also follows us on the uh, Facebook page and, and on Twitter as well. So Lord Frieson, congratulations. You have won and we will reach out to you. You've already told us what you want. Um, and that is Mesa. So you have won a Mesa and I will gift that to you on PC. On PS4, um, Gabby from the Warframe Australia and New Zealand page has won this one. Um, We only had a few people enter from the PS4 um, and it was basically a random number generator that I have used to choose all of these people. Um, 
So Gabby has one for the PS4. We will contact you via Facebook to um, figure out what it is you want and how we can award you. And on Xbox, uh, it turned out to be Night Raider. So in fact, the fewest entries we got were in regards to Xbox. Um, And that doesn't mean that there weren't any people. (laughs) There were a few. But, um, you know, compared to the other uh, platforms, platforms... yeah, Xbox was the least. And I guess maybe that has a reflection on, on the number of, of gamers as well. I'm not really sure. But we do have quite a few Xboxes on our um, Discord, so I'm not sure. But the winner here is Knight Rider, who also joined our um, Discord. Um, and I think he follows us on Twitter as well. So Knight Rider, congratulations. You have one for the Xbox. So we'll reach out to you and have a bit of a chat about what it is you're chasing. And we'll gift that to you as well. So congratulations to Lord Frizon, Gabby, and Knight Rider. And uh, we'll give you your prizes soon. And that is it for the community call out and also for our fantabulous episode 10 extravaganza. Uh, thank you again for listening and for continuing to listen. We see the numbers every week, so we know that there are quite a few of you out there that listen every week, um, and we really appreciate that. Let your voices be heard. Get in contact with us uh, via Facebook, Twitter, Discord, email, YouTube. We say this every week. We've got all these places. You probably know where they are. Um, Pretty much Cephalon Squared on all of those platforms. Discord's a little bit harder to find. Um, but you can find the details on our Facebook and Twitter pages. We've pinned them there. Uh, You can also leave us a voice message via Anchor, the app on your iOS or Android phone. Um, And please do give us a rating on your podcast platform because that helps us to be seen on those platforms as well. Uh, Without ratings, we sort of just drown in a sea of other podcasts. So give us a rating. Let other people know we exist. Um, I am Greg Newbigin. I'm Cephalon Greg. Mad Capsules on Twitter, and I am joined by Lucas. Who are you? I am Lucas. Uh, find me on Twitter, Silverlight, S-I-L-V-R-L-G-H-T. Again, thank you so much to the community. Um, Ten episodes. I'm absolutely amazed that we've we've come so much so far in uh, in the last couple of months. It's it's been amazing, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can continue this long into the future. Um, so again, thank you so much to the community. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here, here, good sir. And thank you to Jan at Disco underscore Box on Twitter for the intro and outro, which are fantabulous as always. So thank you, good listeners. We look forward to uh, next week when we expect that there's going to be DevStream 117. So until then, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cephalon Squared. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to cephalonsquared at gmail.com or get in touch via Twitter or Facebook. You can also join our Discord or send us a voice message via the Anchor app. See you next week.